Good morning. Just to echo Randy's sentiment, we're glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us at Church in the Valley. Uh, We're going to dig right in and really continue what we've been talking about, how to grow uh, in a relationship with God. Uh, No matter where you are in the spectrum of uh, Christianity, whether you're investigating Christianity, what it means to follow Christ, or if you've been a Christian for a long time, this series is really designed to give you some practical handles on how you move towards a deeper relationship with God. Uh, so feel free to, to follow along in the, the outline. There's pens in front of you. Uh, before we dig in to the scripture, I did want to just point out and let you know a, a, a problem that I have and to see, really, you guys can identify with me this morning. The problem is, is I have no sense of direction at all. Any, anybody out there? I mean, people say go downstairs, and I don't know where that is. Okay? I, uh, I have kind of an issue that I think, like if I make a wrong turn or I miss a turn, I kind of think if I keep going straight, eventually, like I'm going to be in the right place. You guys ever done that? And for me, there's like family trauma that happens every time because my wife tries to encourage me, you know, honey, if you turn around, we'll get back on the right track. And there's just something about turning around where the car kind of giggles and says, I beat you. You know, so I don't turn around. I think I'm going to ride this thing out. I'm going to take this road. And eventually that turn that I missed, it's going to end up over here on this straight path. Thing is, 25 minutes later, I turn around with my head down, uh, almost crashing cars. You're not supposed to have your head down when you drive. But um, then, you know, they, they developed a thing called like GPS. And you know, that, that's a beautiful thing. If you haven't investigated GPS, you know, you put it on your dashboard and it basically tells you, you know, turn your car on, reverse, look behind you. Follow this yellow path, the yellow brick road, little munchkin sing. Okay? And uh, it tells you where you need to go. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, sometimes, though, it, it tells you, like, take an immediate right. You've got to be careful because there may be a house there. So you just don't want to use your brain. I learned that the hard way. I used to have a house. Um, just kidding. But the, the thing about my problem is it's really connected to what we all experience in life. And that is... There's just a lot of times when we're, we're lost, we have no sense of direction, how to move forward. Uh, we don't know if we're on the right path. We don't know if we're on the wrong path. Uh, we get in detours, and we're just thinking, what do I do to get out of this mess? How do I get back on the path I'm supposed to be on? And this morning, we're going to look at God's Word as the ultimate GPS system. See, GPS stands for Global Positioning System. The Bible is God's positioning system for our life. That's his GPS that he's given us. It tells us how to get back on the path, how to avoid the the pitfalls that we face in life. It really is a practical way we can navigate through life. So I encourage you just to keep that in the back of your head that really God uses his word to help us navigate through life. Whether you've read the Bible a lot or very little, as you dig in, you really find there's so much help in Scripture. Uh, first thing I want you guys to, to fill in there on your, your outline is God grows people who remain in his word and rely on him. I'm going to read a passage out of John 15. And Jesus is painting a beautiful picture of what it means to be connected with God in a relationship. Um, and he uses kind of an analogy. He says, remain uh, in me. The idea of remaining is to abide, to endure Uh, This idea of no matter what happens, you cling. So remain in me and I will remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, that really points to the relationship that we have with Christ that connects us with God. The bigger picture there is not just to stay close to God, but in verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. There's a sense that we remember and we stay very close to the words that God has given us. And that's found in Scripture. So there's this picture that we have that we never can be disconnected from that. That's how we grow. Uh, if you picture in this analogy, if the branch is cut off from the trunk where all the nourishment is, the branch dies. And that's what the Word of God is for us. It is our spiritual nourishment so we can grow and develop in life. Without the Word of God, we, we're malnourished. Our growth is slowed and we do not develop. And so remaining in God through his word, is a way to really develop our growth and really the only way we can really figure out what life is all about. John 8, 31 through 32 paints a picture of really the benefit of Scripture. Um, it says, the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold, that word hold is the same as remaining in him. It's the same meaning. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the flavor is, it's, the Bible is not just a, a, a book among books that has some helpful things. It is the book. Only this book can provide freedom to your life. It provides freedom. So it has a power because God put it together that, that no other book has. Um, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Uh, this isn't on your PowerPoint. But it paints a picture of really the response we need to have as we approach Scripture. It says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Jeremiah understood God's words are spiritual food. We eat them and we grow because it's our joy and delight. So it's it's just so important to remember that. So we're told to remain. Uh, I've got some things that you can do to remain in God's word. The first is um, you have to accept the Bible as your authority. Accept the Bible as my authority. Uh, in life, we all have different things that, that we view as being credible. Um, what we watch on TV, what we listen to, the people in our life that tell us things, some are more credible than others. What we have to decide is with Scripture, if Scripture is not the authority in your life, that trumps everything else, then you're not going to have the growth that God wants for your life. It has to be the authority over all other authorities. Uh, Some of the authorities that go against or compete for our attention, uh, first is culture. This is the truth by personality or popularity. You know the, the, the phrase, everyone's doing it? You ever felt the pressure of that? You know, 
guy has like a cool pair of pants. Everyone's wearing those pants. You go buy it in a week. No longer anyone's wearing the pants. You just wasted $40. You ever felt that sting? I'm not bitter. 1995. <laughs> Bugle boys, remember those? Um, but culture, it's, it's somebody really popular is doing this, or a whole bunch of people are doing it, and there's this, then you have to do it. problem is that change. What, what is popular and what is cool changes, always changes. Uh, the next is tradition. You know, if you're, you spent time with your family at Christmas, man, you, you feel the power of tradition. Anyone suggest, like, if you, if you open gifts on Christmas Eve, if anyone suggests, hey, how about we move to Christmas Day? <laughs> it's like the family stops and looks at you. <laughs> or, you know, you open it Christmas Day and you're like, hey, let's open it Christmas Eve. Family looks at you. There's this power of, we've always done it this way, do not change. That's not just a Christmas, but that's... We, we do that in our own life. We've kind of always thought the same way, and we keep going about life because that's what we always thought. Um, reason, it's another authority that, that we have to keep in check. And that's, I think this, so it must be true. A quick story on that. My, my daughter, we were driving over the holidays, and we, we got one of those portable DVD players, which is really a, a fantastic thing over a long journey. You know, because you want to relate to your kids, but it's also nice to, like, not talk the whole time. So we gave the portable DVD player, and we introduced her to uh, Snow White. And so we were kind of setting her up for what it's about. You know, there's, like, the evil queen, and, you know, we, she's not kind. You know, she, she's mean. And so we're driving, and she's really, like, enjoying the seven dwarfs, and everything's fun. And then she's like, the evil queen is nice. And it was like, uh-oh. I was, I was kind of, I had a little moment, like, we pulled the car over. So out of the peripheral, you know, I looked at my wife, Samantha, and it was kind of like. <laughs> and so, like, we turn and we begin to dialogue, like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? The evil queen's kind, daddy. And you're like, oh, no, Disney. <laughs> and uh, she said a key statement that kind of showed that her reason was her authority. And it was, she said, she's, she's smiling. She must be kind. Ooh, gotcha. It's, you know, you, I never thought about that. You know, the evil queen, she's a little darker skin, you know, or the, the, has that crown and it just look meaner and it's just, she looks scary. And but she smiled and my daughter thought she's the, the sweetest thing ever. So we had to have a little conversation. Though. Just because they smile doesn't mean they're kind. And that kind of like blew up her categories. Now people are smiling on her, and she's like, well, that's training, you know. Um, the last thing that we have to counter is, is emotion. You know, if it feels right, it must, be, it must be good. It must be helpful for our lives, and it's just not true. See, all these things change. The culture, traditions, our reasoning, our feelings. But the Word of God does not change. And so that has to be the foundation that we set our lives on. Because it does not move, it does not sift. It is the same today as it was yesterday, and it will be. So we have to deal with the authority issue. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, the paraphrase of this in the message 
paints it this way. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. The idea of God-breathed means God has inspired it. God used writers from different eras, different cultures, different backgrounds, different personalities. But what is true for every writer in Scripture was that God inspired them. He breathed the words through them. And so what we have is the Scriptures that can be fully trusted because it is from God. And in the Scripture in 2 Timothy, you find that it's, it's good for every useful thing in life whether by the general principles or specific things that we can apply. It is helpful for life. It helps us navigate through the turns, the detours, and the things that we go through. So that's the first thing. We need to deal with the authority issue. The second is we need to regularly spend time chewing on it. Joshua 1.8 is, is a great passage. Uh, Joshua, in, in chapter 1, character in the Old Testament, where he was in line after Moses died, and there's the Israelites. Huge group of people. And Joshua now has the daunting task of transitioning from Moses, who was the leader. Now he's the leader, and just so much just stress involved in that, if you could imagine. You're the new leader of this people. And, you know, you could just see Joshua just, oh, what am I going to do? In Joshua 1.8, you don't find these great leadership principles or a tactician way that, that, that Joshua had to lead. This is what, what God told him. He said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. That's scripture. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. He didn't tell him in that verse how to be a successful manager, how to be a great leader. He told him, meditate on the scriptures every Day and every night. The word meditate there um, has the connotation of, of rumination. And meditate, really, if you want the picture of what meditating scripture looks like, you look to the life of a cow. When they eat and they keep chewing and chewing and chewing, and you're like, cow, do something, they're like, I am. I'm chewing. And they chew, they chew, they get as much nutrition out of the meal as they can. Then they swallow it. And this is what's interesting about cows. And they swallow it, and then they regurgitate it back up. Because, like, there wasn't, there's still a little bit of nutrition in there. And then they eat it again. To us, that's disgusting. To the cow, it's like, you know, I'm making the most out of this meal. And in Joshua, we're getting the same picture. That's what you're supposed to do with Scripture. You're supposed to chew on it, chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. You know, don't take the Bible and take a hunk out. But as you read the words, and as God speaks to you, you want to be meditating on that. Uh, one of the, the most helpful ways for me to meditate is to ask uh, a lot of questions. You just want to ask questions in the scripture. Um, there's an acrostic there that um, I'm going to go through. It's called space pets. This is one of those where you've got a bunch of words, and somehow if you scramble them, it makes a word. Space pets. Challenge this week. Use that in a sentence. At home, okay? Um, so Space Pets has just some principles that you can uh, ask. One thing I encourage you to do is as you read Scripture, whether you've read it for the first time or you've read it for years, 
ask God to show you if you can apply any of these questions. We're, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but just what you can do is as you're about to read Scripture, say, God, will you show me any of these that I can apply or show me any of these that, that I can bring out of the Scripture right now? Uh, so space fets. The first thing is as you read, you want to ask the question, is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change? Is there a command to obey? Or is there an example to follow? So that's the space. The pets, the P is, is there a prayer to pray? One of the best ways to learn how to pray is you look in Scripture at people who prayed. And you model that. Uh, E, is there an error to avoid? Is there a truth to believe? And last, is there something to thank God for? Is there something that you learned about God that just hits you right across the head and you said, God, thank you so much that that is true about who you are? So the picture here is when you meditate, you're chewing on Scripture. The picture I have is, is you're, it's like you're panning for gold. And panning for gold, is, it's a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of dirt, a lot of sand, a lot of gravel. What you're trying to find is, is the treasure, the nugget of treasure. Well, that's what meditation is. is you're, you're chewing, you're asking questions, you're trying to find the treasure. But see, in Scripture and in the Christian life, we're not pointing to the fact of you just want to grab as many treasures as you can. In Scripture, as we learn something, as we find a treasure, the blessing comes when we cash that in, when we turn it in and get the value of applying it. So we've got to redeem these treasures by applying it to our life. Uh, That's the third point. Focus on applying what I've learned. Uh, John 13, 17 says the same thing. Now that you know these things, so whatever you're learning, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So it's not just knowledge, all that you know, but you will be blessed if you do what you've learned. Uh, D.L. Moody said the Bible wasn't given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. So when we talk about growing through Scripture, it's not growing mentally or in intelligence. It's actually growing in applying Scripture to your life, allowing it to to change the way that you view things. And all those things within the Space Pets questions, all those things you look to so it can change your life. Um, When you're looking to apply Scripture, um, Rick Warren had some stuff that I thought was helpful. He's the the author of The Purpose Driven Life that some of our growth groups are 
are uh, going to be leading in. Having and he, he has what he calls an application project, and this is four P's that will help as you try to apply Scripture. The first is uh, you want to make an application that's personal. You know, there's a challenge when we read Scripture that, man, you have great applications for, like, the people close to you in your life. Man, there's an attitude for you to change. Promise for you to claim. But Scripture is something that we, we focus on ourselves. We deal with our own heart. So when we want to apply it, it needs to be personal. It needs to be practical. It needs to be possible. And provable. One of the first verses that hit me upside the head. You know when you read something and you you just like, wow. I've never really thought about something like that. I've never really seen myself in that light. When the scriptures are like, and you just, whoa. I was in 10th grade, James 1.19. First time I ever heard this verse. It says, "Uh, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's actual scripture that's saying you need to listen. I mean, I knew that, but I didn't know it was like in the Bible. And so using this application project, what this means for me is, um, you know, it says everyone should be quick to listen, but that's me. So I need to. So one of the things I thought is, you know, this week I will wait five seconds to respond to someone when they talk to me. Those of you that know me, that's five seconds pretty long. You know, I, I like to talk, engage, and there's this thing where we're in conversations with people where they tell you something and you just want to let them know. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. In fact, I know this as well. But what you find is, is this scripture is just saying, you know what, take the time to listen to people. And don't open your mouth yet. And when they say something that makes you mad... You don't get mad. So, you know, this week, I'm going to wait five seconds. I won't count it out loud. I'll wait to respond. And maybe I won't say what I would have said if I hadn't waited. That's what you find with Scripture. It doesn't have to be this Scripture, but as something comes, think how you can apply that. Today, this week, this month, think about how you can apply it to your life. Um, One of the prayers, just in closing, that you can pray as you dig into Scripture, no matter where you are, is the prayer in Psalm 119.18. It's not in PowerPoint. You might want to jot this down. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Just ask God to open your eyes so you can see really the life that he gives as you you follow Scripture. There's some next steps that you can take uh, this week. First is I will ask God to show me any authorities I trust more than him and his word. Whatever that is. Uh, Second, I'll commit to read my Bible three times this week. You can change that. You can cross out the three. You could do one. You could do six. Wherever you are. But pick a a goal. Uh, Third, I will memorize Joshua 1.8 that we went over earlier. Do not let the book of this law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And last, I will chew on God's word this week by asking a space pets question. So I encourage you, just pick one of these. 
that you can try to apply to your life this week. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word, which really does shape the way that we view ourselves, view the world. It gives us perspective that we cannot get anywhere else. It gives us hope we cannot find any other place. And Lord, you, uh, you really want to grow us through the commands that you've given us, through the perspectives that you provide. And I thank you for your scripture, that you gave us a handbook. You gave us an instruction manual so we may know you and know how to live this life to the fullest as we follow you. And we don't want to take that for granted. And we ask, Lord, that you will open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your law. And give us the strength and the diligence to apply it to our life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.